You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Again, when it comes to Joshua 1 and 9, it's, it's part of a conversation between Jehovah and his servant, Joshua. The Lord had chosen Joshua to lead his people after the death of Moses. It's important to understand when it, when it comes to Joshua, the meaning of his name. The meaning of his name is, is important because we not only need to see God's servant Joshua in the text, but we also need to see ourselves. And his name or the meaning of his name speaks volumes to God's people. First thing that his name means is God helps. He helps. Lord, he helps. I mean, God, God does not just help with big stuff, with minor stuff. God knows everything, so whatever you need help with, God can help you. There is nothing you can talk to God about that he can't help you with. He's not like us, because we're limited. I mean, you get to talking to me about certain things, I, I can't help you. I'll refer you to somebody who, who may be able to help you, but certain things I can't help you with. But God does not have that problem. He can help you with anything. Some folks like to put God as a quote-unquote spiritual person. No, God is omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign. He owns the earth. He knows about everything we see and don't see. That's the reason uh, David talked about God in Psalm 46 and 1 and said in that verse in part that he is a very present help. And David went on to say in trouble because at the time he was in trouble. So he said he's a very present help in time of trouble. But some of us know that God is a very present help even if you ain't going through no trouble. God will help you. I said God will help you. God, God will help you when you think you don't even need no help. That's how awesome he is. God will help you. And I don't know why folks pick and choose when they want to be, believe or trust God. You need to know that God is very present help at all times. Show hands of those that agree with that. At all times. He is a very present help. 
But Joshua also means God's prosperity. We have success because of God. We are assured of being victorious because of our Christ. But we have to rightly divide the word and understand that in order to have true success or victory is based upon our faith. For 1 John 5 and 4 says the victory that overcomes the world is even our faith. Our faith. We have to have faith. That, that, that's the reason you can stop certain things in, in the face and, and say without question, I'm going to overcome you. Why? Because you're operating in faith. And faith is powerful when you really understand it. You know, because faith in one sense is a complicated word. But if you understand the different phases of meanings of faith, you are assured to have a successful life. You have to understand, for instance, based upon Romans 10, 14 through 17, in part, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But, but you have to be careful because you can't listen to everybody and obtain the God kind of faith. Because that same passage tells us, but how you going to hear without a preacher? And how the preacher going to be legit if the preacher has not been sent? The sent means, well, sent means anointed. Appointed by God to do what God has ordained to be done. God uses preachers, uses prophets when it comes to the earth. Amos 3 and 7, surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveal his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Even Jesus knew the power of faith in, in conversing with the devil. Said to the devil in Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What I hear is what I'm going to live by. And, and, and then when you understand that, you further have to understand that faith is not based upon sight. For 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight equates senses. How many have ever allowed your senses to mess you up? See, senses are a good thing, but because senses are part of our humanity, our senses are limited. I said our senses are limited. I love seeing. I love looking at pretty things, don't you? But sometimes you can be looking at something and, and think it's one thing, and the closer you get, you'll see, oh, that, that's not what I thought it was. You ever been there? Or smelling something, you just knew it was beef, but then when you got up on it, it was quail. 
you were ready to eat it because you thought it was beef, but then when they told you this, this quail right here, oh, I, I can't eat no quail. Some of y'all looking, you don't even know what quail is, do you? <laughs> For we walk by faith, not by sight. And see, that, that's the problem with dealing with a pandemic and, and different things. People start walking by sight. They start walking by senses. But claim to be Christian. See it does not matter what's going on. You still have to live by faith. You still have to understand when it comes to your senses. That they are limited. They can only take you so far. Again thank God I can hear. Thank God I can see. Thank God I can smell. But I have to understand. Because these things are part of my humanity. They are limited. The only one who is not limited is the Holy Spirit. That's the reason Jesus primarily said to his disciples, it is essential for me to leave because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when he comes, Jesus was excited about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, he's going to show you some stuff. He going to tell you some stuff. Then went on to tell him in John 16 and 13. He going to guide you not just into some truth. Into all truth. See religious folks only trust God for spiritual stuff. But when you true Christian, real Christian. Really have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You depend on God for everything. You tell folk without him I can do nothing. You let folks know I don't, I don't even trust myself to cross the street unless I don't pray to God. We believe what Jesus said to his disciples. Without me you can do nothing. And so Joshua's name means God's prosperity and again that's tied into God's people John understood that that's the reason in 3rd John 2 John decreed to the church beloved I wish above all things that you'd what prosper and be in health even as your soul does prosper letting them know prosperity will happen but, it, but it's got to start with your being. It's got to start with you thinking the right thing. Talking the right thing. And doing the right thing. I want it to happen for you. But if your soul is not in the place that it needs to be. It's not going to manifest in your life. And so contextually. God was talking to Joshua and in verse 9 he was reiterating to him the importance or significance of doing what he had commanded him to do. 
you know, because you, you can say that, that you going to follow God, but then something happened, you'll forget what God done told you to do. The Lord did not want that to happen to Joshua. That's the reason he reiterated to him that, look, this is what I commanded you. Because folk will get strange in strange times. I'm going to follow you, God, no matter what. But then he'll come a pandemic. And all that change. Lord, I'm going to praise you no matter what. But then he'll come. A headache. Or some type sickness. And you're too weak to lift your hands. Or so you say. Won't we say some things that, that later on we won't fulfill? I know somebody over here that I've been guilty. May not be but one of y'all, but, but I know it's somebody over here know what I'm talking about. And, and so notice again the text, because I want you to get this. Notice again, Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? I'm telling you again, Joshua. Let's leave Joshua for a minute. I'm telling you again. And get this. The primary meaning of command in Joshua 1 and 9 is to enjoin. Which means to order a person to behave a certain way. To order a person to behave a certain way. See, Joshua was a leader, so, so everything he, he did was going to affect others. And so God wanted to make sure that he enjoined or he behaved a certain way. Breaking it down, he wanted Joshua to think a certain way, talk a certain way, and act a certain way. And see, you have to understand, child of God, that right now is a time to where you really need to be an example to other believers, unbelievers, your family, and friends. You need to make it your business to think, talk, and act according to the written and revealed will of God. Because folks are looking... And listening. They heard folks talk about how awesome God was before the pandemic. 
They heard folks say that God can do everything save fail. Now they're looking and listening at those same folk. You are on their list. They want to see if you're still going to live by faith. If you're still going to think, talk, and do according to the written and revealed word of God. Or if you're going to bow down like a little childish boy or girl. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just being real. See, the Lord knew Joshua was going to face some giants. Folk that were greater than him. Circumstances that he had never dealt with before. So he wanted to make sure that he had embedded in his being, his commands. There are some things that you're going to face in life that, that if you are not rooted and grounded in the word of God, those things will turn you every which way but loose. Joshua was getting ready to step into a land that he was not familiar with. Yeah, he was part of the group that went in and spied out the land for for some days. But now he was going back to take over the land. And it was folk over there with spears, arrows, chariots, horses, and other type weapons waiting on Joshua and Israel to come. They knew they were coming. That They couldn't help but see all of the Israelites on the other side. And, and so they, they were holding their weapons in their hand. Waiting for them to come. The Jebusites were waiting. The Amalekites were waiting. Eight foot folk, not just three or four tribes of giants. Folk up in the mountain, folk, folk living in other parts of the country, just waiting on Joshua and the Israelites to come in. Yeah, we know that name means a prince with God, but we want them to come in here and we want to see what they got and see what that God got to offer. Come on, Joshua. And so God knew you got to have my word in you if you're going to make it. You got to have in you my word if you're going to make it. Joshua, touch yourself and say, I got to have God's word in me. If I'm going to make it through this storm. If I'm going to make it through this trouble, if, if I'm going to overcome these obstacles, if I'm going to overcome these things that, that I'm seeing, that I'm feeling, I'm going to have to have God's word embedded down on the inside of me.
I done learned there are certain things I can't handle unless God is with me. There are certain things I got to put the word on. Have you learned you got to put the word on some things? You can't scratch your head and think it's going to go away. You can't take a pill and think you're going to be okay. There are certain things you're going to have to use the word in order to defeat. Jesus himself used the word to defeat enemies. He used the word to defeat the devil. He used the word to defeat sicknesses. He used the word to defeat diseases. Have you not read your Bible? He used the word. You can't be talking about your Holy Ghost field and backing up in a corner talking about you don't know what you're going to do. And waiting on sinner's instructions. Folk that don't know God, you waiting to see what they going to do. That's an insult to God. He done sent the Holy Ghost to lead us, but you going to wait on. He wanted Joshua to know, look, this is what I want you to do. I need to show you something. You have to go with me to uh, Proverbs 10. Y'all stay with me. He done commanded him, but, but, but consider, consider Proverbs 10 and 8 in reference to Command, a command. Lord have mercy. Notice this, Proverbs 10 and 8. Just the first, well, let's read the entire verse. The wise in heart will, notice, receive commands. But a prating fool will fall. A fool ain't going to receive the commands. Fool will look for an alternative. Why? Because the fool's heart is not right. Psalm 14 and 1 says, The fool has said, Well, in his heart, there is no God. The heart in the text and in Psalm 14 and 1 represents the choices. In one sense, the choices. The fool has chosen to do something that God didn't tell him to do. You can be Christian, but the minute you decide to do what God didn't tell you to do, you are in the place of a fool. And my question is, how many times have you been in a place of a fool? The wise in heart will receive command. Lord, you told me to take two steps and just stop. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And when you do such, you are a wise person. The wise in 
will receive command. And, and sometimes God can tell you to do something, and, and, and when you do it, what you were expecting to happen doesn't happen, and then you'll turn into a fool. Well, ain't God told me to take two steps, but ain't nothing happening, so let me go back. You're a fool. If God tells you to take two steps and nothing happens, you don't do nothing until he tells you to do something. God know what he's doing. How many know God know what he's doing? And so, back in Joshua 1 and 9, it's important to understand that, that God commanded Joshua Not to do certain things and to do certain things. Joshua, do this, but don't you do such and such. And it's God. It's God telling a leader, do such and such, but don't you do this, that, and the other. So let's deal with it and put ourselves in the place of Joshua. Go back with me to Joshua 1 and 9. And we're going to consider what the Lord told him not to do first. Now notice, the first thing he, he told him, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. Two connotations of afraid that I'm going to deal with. Joshua, I don't want you to be unwilling. That's the first meaning. I don't want you to be unwilling. Because you know you, you can be ready to fight. God tell you, look, it, it's going to be a fight. So you can be, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to fight. But then when you see this eight-foot man, And you five eight. If you allow your flesh, you are changing ministry. Well, I was <laughs> until I saw this giant. See, see, we have to be like David. Here David is five foot seven. And he shows up in the camp of the Israelites. And on the other side, he sees the Philistines. And so he's wondering why ain't nobody fight. And, and so he just simply asks the question, look, what, what's going on? And said, so, well, uh, we waiting to see who's going to go out and fight Goliath. Just the name Goliath can put fear in you if you're not where you need to be. Goliath? That means he got to be a big boy. Yeah, he is. He's nine foot. And so David said, look, how come when nobody go out and take care of this uncircumcised philistine? And see, David at the time was deemed Rudy. 
small, and specifically by King Saul, a youth and unlearned. Don't know how to fight. And David had to straighten him. He's wait, wait now, wait now, Saul. Wait a minute now. And he had, and, and, and truth be told, he hadn't been in a whole lot of battles, but 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 he had faith even though he hadn't been in about three, four battles. He said, look, you know what? There was a bear. There was a lion. And the Lord helped me with both. And so since he helped me with both, you know he don't change, not kings out. He going to help me with his uncircumcised Philistine. David basically gave him Malachi 3 and 6. God changes what? Or you can use Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ saying what? So his thing was, yeah, I done told you about two fights that I had with a, with a lion and a bear. I know I didn't say nothing about no person. But that lion and that bear should be enough for you to know that I'll go out here. And so Saul, he said, well, let, let's get him ready so he'll look like a soldier. Let me give him my armor so he'll look like a soldier. But see, Saul was a tall man. David wasn't. And, and so David said, no, I, I can't wear that. I, I ain't even used to that. I can't wear that. He's all I need is my slingshot. And let me go down here by the creek and get me some stones. And I'm paraphrasing. Let me go get, a, get some stones. And I'll be ready for it. And, and, and so Goliath thought it was a joke. He thought it was a joke. He thought they were playing, trying to mock him. Trying to mesh with his mind. And so when David came out, didn't have on no armor. No armor. With this little slingshot. And basically, Goliath's sword was big as David. Was bigger than David. And so David said, you, you come into me with all your gear. I see your sword. I see that big old helmet you got on too. Yeah, and I see your shield. He said, but I'm coming to you. Get this. In the name of the Lord. Now understand this. The Philistines were demonic. And when David told him he was coming in the name of the Lord, Goliath started to tremble. The Bible says demons tremble at the name of Jesus. And so David knew at that time when he told him who he was coming in, hey, it's over now. It's going to be on and over at the same time. Long story short. And y'all know it. David got the victory. We got to give David a hand even though it happened thousands of years ago. And so, here we have Joshua. God wanted to make sure that he was going to have the spirit of David. 
the spirit of Moses have his spirit when it came to dealing with folk. So he didn't want him to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be unwilling just because of what you see. Just because of what you heard. There are folk that have stopped praising God. That have stopped trusting God. Simply because fear has gripped their hearts. There are saints that be that used to be known for, for testifying about the goodness of God. Testifying about how God would make a way out of no way. That are now trembling in their high heel shoes. And, and let me show you the danger of that. Let, let me show you real quick. Go with me to Psalm 56. Lord have mercy. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Psalm 56. Go down. Go there with me. Lord have mercy. How many are receiving? Lord, I done already said a lot. But stay with me. Psalm 56. Y'all there? Verse 3. Whenever I am afraid, notice the solution. I will trust in you. And how many know things attack us and fear comes? Because we're human. But notice what, what the solution is. Trust God. See, some things are bigger than you. You just trust God. I, I was listening to Senior Minister Beasley's testimony when she talked about when the pandemic first started. She was fearful. What changed that? She started trusting See, I can't tell you that you'll never battle fear. You will. But when you do battle fear, trust God. Let him know, God, you are my shield and my buckler. You are very present help in time of trouble. You are my Jehovah Rapha. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You are the one that's going to heal me. You are the one that's going to cause me to prosper. Never allow fear to do what is sent to do. Stop your power and your love and your sound-mindedness from manifesting. That's the reason Paul told Pastor Timothy, a leader in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Anytime your mind is in a state of confusion, it says that fear is around. Anytime you're not walking in love or the commands of God, it's saying that fear is around. And God does not give his children the spirit of fear. Will fear come? Yes. When it does, do what Psalm 56 and 3 says. Trust God. And when you really trust God, you operate in Proverbs 3, 5 and following. When, what, what tells us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your what? own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. What are you going to do? Direct your path. 
Walker, just do this right here. Fear trying to get you off course, but just stay on course and, and do this right here. Fear trying to make you think that it ain't going to happen. But you know me, Walker. We got, we got history together. We got a relationship together. You know I bought you out the last time, and I'm going to bring you out this time. You know it seemed like a way wasn't going to be made the last time, but then I showed up when it was all over, and I still made a way out of nowhere. And that's not just Walker's testimony. That's a whole lot of our testimony that God has did what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart. Am I talking about you? Shout it, shout it toward heaven, Lord, I thank you for making ways out of no ways. Turning things completely around. But then he also tells them, I don't want you to be dismayed. And one of the meanings of dismay is to not be optimistic. You're the opposite. Pessimistic. He wanted Joshua to always be optimistic. Because see, one thing in this Christian walk you have to understand. You're going to have to be able to look at a situation, knowing that the odds are against you, but still say out of your mouth, victory is yours. You can't go by what you see. Literally, Elijah knew that the odds were against him when the Syrians surrounded the city that he was in. But he was looking in the realm of faith, the realm of God, and saying, look, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. A Christian has to be an optimistic person. You have to be. And you have to understand in this life you are going to face people that are going to be pessimistic. And, and some are going to be professionals. Some are going to be good people in a, in a sense. But they are just pessimistic. Some of the most pessimistic folks are preachers, doctors, lawyers. What's your profession? And people that do what you do. Yeah. You, you, ever, went, you ever went to see a professional and, and you, you were okay when you went to see her, but when you left, they had put a worse word on you. There are some folks that just are just pessimistic but as a Christian you have to be optimistic you have to be like David he knew Goliath was a giant but he still knew that he could overtake the giant he could win whatever you're battling right now you have to you have to say what the Bible says about you what is that preacher you don't know your Bible you have to say things like I'm more than a conqueror with God, I can do all things. You have to be an optimistic person. 
Even when you ain't got a dime in your pocket, you have to be optimistic. God going to show up some kind of way. If he allowed ravens or them wild birds to bring Elisha something to eat, I know God going to help me to find a piece of money around him somewhere. It may not be in the dirt this time. It may be on the grass or somebody may stop by by 6 this evening or they may show up before 9 in the morning. But God going to make a way out of no way. He going to call something to happen. Well, preacher, how God going to make it happen? Well, he supplies needs. As long as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God going to make sure that you're taken care of. Said to his disciples, if, if, if you see the lilies of the field, if God so clothed the lilies of the field, will he not much more clothe you? But then he told them, oh, you a little faith. You know what was going on? They weren't living by the word. You got to stand on the word when you get to going through trials and tribulation. You cannot become dismayed. You got to keep talking the word. You got to keep thinking the word. You got to keep doing the word because God going to do what he said. You know Isaiah 55, once he sent forth his word, it will not return unto him for. You know Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass, but not God's word. God's word is so powerful to where he can just send the word and it'll heal folks. He'll send the word and it'll cause the heavens to open up, pour you out a blessing. You won't even have room to put it. Look at somebody and tell them, can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like Jesus. Shout at somebody else, can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like Somebody asked me, why are you so happy and everything going around? Because my God is taking care of me. My God is doing for me everything that he promised. My God is in charge. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All right, sit down, sit down. So he told me, I don't want you to be dismayed. Gotta be optimistic. And, and see, I'm looking at I'm looking at people all around the sanctuary, and, and I know some of your testimony. God has done some stuff for some folk in here. Good. God from Zion. And even those that are watching, whether on the internet, television, God has done some stuff for you. You know your God can do anything save fail. Am I talking about you? Am I talking about you? All right, sit down, sit down. So he told Joshua, I don't want you to be afraid. And I don't want you to be dismayed. But let's consider what he told Joshua to do. Let's consider it. Go back to Joshua 1 and 9. And just consider what he said. 
Notice. Have I not commanded you? Number one, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. I'm going to give you two meanings of strong. To be strong, first of all, means to be resilient. Be resilient. Breaking that down, that means to deal with stress, loss, and other difficulties. See, in this life, you're going to run up on some stuff. Or some stuff going to come your way. But you have to be resilient. You have to be to the point to where you're going to deal with whatever come up. Oh, you may get hit and it may knock you back. But you got to be to the point to where you ain't going to let that hit take you out. Yeah, you got me with the right, with the right cross. But I'm still standing. Man, I, I love the fact that, that when it comes to Jesus' battle with the devil in Matthew 4, that Jesus had fasted, hadn't ate anything for 40 days and, and was hungry. But in the midst of that, he was still resilient. He was dealing with what was going on with him physically, mentally, and emotionally. And if you have ever fasted, now, now we're talking Jesus was fasting 40 days. Some of us, we go through things physically, emotionally, and mentally, and we ain't fasted but eight hours. We, It'd it be, it be 30 minutes to go and I'll fast. Lord have mercy. My eight hours are almost up. Oh God, you got to help me to last 30 minutes. Can you imagine 40 days? Or if you have ever went seven days, when, when you start experiencing different things coming out of your body and you're wondering, how in the world did that get in my body? And your pores open up and certain things start to come out. And so he was weak. But he was resilient. What was he letting us know in the passage? That no matter how weak you are, you're still strong. This reason the Bible tells us, let the weak say, I'm strong. And Paul learned that even when I'm weak, I'm strong. Why? Because God made us resilient. You have the capacity to deal with whatever comes your way. You also have a promise because our Lord promised us, I will not put no more on you than you can handle. I won't allow it. And, and sometimes it, it be stuff that we think is just real great. But God knows, look, you experiencing this, but you can deal with this. I know what I put in you. You don't know all I put in you, but I know what I put in you. So don't you get to crying like no little boy. I put enough in you to deal with whatever you're going through. 
Oh, I feel like I'm the only one getting happy up here. Because I have been through some stuff, and I know you done been through some stuff. But look at you now, you came through. And the only way you came through is with God. That's the reason we have the same testimony that Paul, that Paul penned in Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ. Why? He strengthens me. And so he told him to be, to be strong. Let me show you something. Something that's amazing when it, when it comes to being strong. Lord have mercy. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 and 5. First clause. Well, no, let me read the whole verse. The whole verse is good. But notice, especially the first clause. Read it? Proverbs 24 and 5. A wise man is what? A wise man is what? A wise woman is what? A wise woman is what? Yes, a man, a woman of knowledge increases what? Strength. And especially when, when Solomon talked about wise, or the proverb writer talked about wise, it was always based upon the relationship the person had with God. Always. A wise person is strong. What is, what is wisdom of being wise based upon scripture? It's the application of knowledge and understanding. It's doing what James said to do. Remember James said, just don't be a hearer, but a hearer and a what? Doer of the word. And talked about if a, if a person is a hearer and doer of the word, the person would be blessed in their deeds of life. That's the reason a wise person is strong. Because when you hear God saying, do this. When you receive understanding from God and you apply it. It causes you to be strengthened. Not just in one aspect of your life. In every aspect of your life. Look how intelligent you are. Since applying the word of God to your life. Look at what you have attained in life. Since applying. Knowledge and understanding. Of the written. And revealed word. Don't you amaze yourself sometimes. But look at, look at, look at the root of it. It all came from you receiving. And applying. The written and revealed word of God. Am I talking about you? But he also, in Joshua 1 and 9, didn't only want him to be strong, but a similar word. He said, and of good courage. Be strong and of 
good courage. Never be intimidated by a person or thing. See, see, some folks say certain things just to intimidate you. See, see some folk will, will say things to you to belittle you. You need to do what I'm telling you to do because of such and such. See, see, that's intimidation, trying to belittle you. That's the reason as a child of God, you have to be of good courage or know who you are. You have to know who you are, especially in God. You cannot allow anybody to intimidate you just because of the credentials they hold or status they may hold in society. You, you can't allow that to happen. You got to know who you are in God. You'll be amazed that, that, that folk are intimidated by certain folks to the point to where they basically run their life. Which brings up the second meaning of being of good courage. You have to take control of your life. God made us free moral. We're people of choice. You don't allow folk to make the choice for you. You make the choice. Even Jesus himself, when it came to healing folks or so forth, it was their choice. If you believe, you can be. He could have healed them without them believing, but he was abiding by how man was created. You're created a free moral agent. Folk left Jesus, and Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, hey, y'all going to leave too? Y'all going? He acknowledged that they had a choice. See, you don't ever beg somebody to do something. You don't do, when, when you operate in that, that's ungodly. You don't beg nobody to do, do, do this, that, or the other. No, that's ungodly. People were created as free moral agents. If they want to do it, they do it. If they don't, they don't. Coming up in the church, sometimes they would, used to just pull folks to the altar and say, you, you need to be saved. Come on up now. And them folks, some of them folks to this day hate church because they felt intimidated. Or they felt bad because folks looked down on them for being a sinner. Oh, even as a sinner, you have a choice. But I can't make you choose Jesus. I'm teaching this word. I know the Holy Ghost gave it to me, but guess what? I can't, I can't make you do it. You have a choice. But what he was telling Joshua, you're going to have to take control. You cannot be to the point to where you allow people to control you. You can't do it. You can't allow a thing to control you. It's certain people, when, when, if, if something happened to them, they allow that thing to control their life. 
I'm not going to be in no box like that. I said, I'm not going to be in no box like that. How about you? And in my clothes, he finally wanted Joshua to know, the Lord with you. He with you wherever you go. Joshua, you go to church. I'm, I'm going to be there. Josh, when you go down to the bank with your kinfolk and go fishing, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. It, it, see, that wasn't just a Jehovah Joshua thing. No, that's a Jehovah Barry thing, a Jehovah Yvonne thing, a Jehovah Christine thing, a Jehovah... Simone thing, a Jehovah Barbara thing, and 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 rest of y'all name. It is. Now notice what he said. I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. You you know what he was telling him? I ain't gonna forsake you. Lord of mercy. I need to show you a scripture. Let's see. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 13, I, I believe. Hebrews 13. Holy Ghost just give you a reference. He told me he's going to be with him wherever he what? Go. So go to Hebrews 13. Lord have mercy. That Holy Ghost is awesome. Notice Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, a God, has said, I will never leave you. Now what? Look at verse 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my, I will not fear. What can man do me. I'm going to stop right there. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. That's a powerful verse. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundant.